Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, JackieCation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so, I think, does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cash. I'm in my living room. It might be loud, you guys. We don't know. Uh, they're they're adding a thing to uh, like a little shower thing, so my mother in law could move in with me. And uh, but the, so you might hear a little in the background. But with me today in this very special dork forest, uh, a man that I have met one time in real life, and his name is Pasha Motamity. Welcome to the program, Pasha Motamity. Hi, thanks, Jackie. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, I liked that you picked a bunch of things as a dorkdom. First of all, it's at Pasha Botamity uh, on Instagram. You can see his art there and you can follow him on Instagram and I that will be in the notes. And um, I like that you picked like it was like the most basic things and then the most esoteric things. And all of them are huge. So know in your heart that we have an hour. And uh, so we could put aside, unless you want to start with, food and water. They feel big. They feel real big, food and water. And we could go to perfume. We could go to cigars. We could go to poetry, which are also enormous. <laughs> I, I, follow, I will follow you anywhere. So whatever will, you want to start with. I am interested in, I once read Jitterbird Perfume by Tom Robbins. That is all I know about perfume. I use soap, uh, though I am Armenian and all of my people smell vaguely of fake Giorgio and the Cold War. Uh, I do not uh, use perfume or own a tracksuit with very my people. That is our caricatures. So what uh, what kind of perfume? What do you know about perfume? Why do you like it? What's happening? I, I do love the Armenian plug. I'm Persian and that's uh, definitely a, a, a big part of the stereotype um, in which I lean in a, a painful amount, a hundred percent. Actually, when I got, when I got COVID December, 2020, I was at my mom's house. I had just quarantined for 17 days and I was drinking coffee and I was like, hmm, I don't know about this coffee. And so I went downstairs and I got the most hardcore perfume that I own. I sprayed it on myself. I would never do this in real life because it would just linger for the whole day. I put my nose up to it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not even like the alcohol smell. Oh, that is that is full on COVID. 
it was full on COVID. And um, that was my instantly that was my it wasn't like go taste ketchup it was like (laughs) go spray perfume and uh it was uh that aside perfume has been a I don't know just a, a weirdly big part of my life I I think early on um there was this like rollerball that my first perfume was one that I stole from my brother. A lot of my first things were things that I stole from my brothers. They were five and seven years older. Oh yeah. uh, They were in the know. Exactly. Why would you throw that experience, strength and hope down the drain? And, you know, and and not just hand me that, that joint. What has happened? It's uh, what I have four older brothers and an older sister, and they were constantly sliding me things in our case. Yeah. It was books and it was tasks that was I was constantly being delegated as the youngest. My sister more than once signed me up to stuff envelopes for different political candidates. And she was like, you're helping. And I was like, what just happened? I'm 15. I can't even vote. And she's like, take two buses to downtown Milwaukee and help me stuff envelopes for John Anderson. And I was like, "Okay, All right. Third party. 1980. Let's do this. Third party. Wow. I know. know. She's a bit of a political. My my family is full of weird political nerds. So that's hip. That's very hip. And at the time, not at all. Yeah. But so you got that first. So you got it from your brother's. What was, do you remember what the first yeah, brand it, is? It was a, I remember the first day that I took it and put it on my body and I didn't know how much to put on. So I put on a lot. The brand was called All Sport. <laughs> and it was just like, it was just generic. Like if you knew about sports, this might be the perfume you wear. And um, <laughs> how old were you? How old were you? This would have been, I was probably in third grade, so eight or nine. Oh, you were a, oh, you were a child. I was a child. With I was a full beard, weirdly enough. With a full beard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they didn't really know what to do with me. <laughs> um, I, I made this, there was this girl, I won't name her, I'd love to, but. She doesn't she, need it. She doesn't. She need was, it. she was a huge bully. She bullied everyone, including the teachers. The teacher scared her. (laughs) And I put on too much and she kept going like this during PE because I was sweating. And obviously when you sweat, you cast more of a fragrance. And she like complained very passive aggressively, like earliest known use of passive aggression outside of my family (laughs) um, in, in autobiographically, I should say. And um, she told Miss Z, Mm -hmm. there's a whole story there, but uh, that it was upsetting her. And literally right after saying that, Miss Z got everyone together and was like, let's remember that when we get ready in the morning, we want to think about other people as well as ourselves and how comfortable we're going to make them feel too. Oh my goodness. I got fucking fragrance shame the first time I ever put (laughs) anything on my body meaningfully. And um, I'm also uh, the youngest of three. I'm a shit stirrer, which means, which means like, that was just, I was sold. Like I could totally. I be, did you double down? You're like, uh, I will bathe in this stuff now. Watch me do it. 
Jackie, I am <laughs> the I am a, a trauma survivor, youngest of three, recovering alcoholic. All I know how to do is double down. Um, Fair enough. It's uh, you know what? It's uh, keep coming back, man. It's uh, that'll 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 shave that down a little bit. You'll, Absolutely, you'll... bit by bit, step by step. Absolutely. And so, um, I think the first fragrance that was purchased for me was Eternity by Calvin Klein. Okay. Um, of course, in the set, and honestly, to this day, I still think I wouldn't wear it, but I still kind of like it. Okay. Um, there's there's some of these fragrances from you know the '90s, uh, early aughts uh, that are very typical, very typified by the time. Okay, so rattle me off some names. What uh, um, for I do men? Know. Yeah, Ar- Armani Aquadigio. Aquadigio. Uh, yeah, Aquadigio, Gio Giorgio Armani. Um, it's a. I, I did an interview. At Lalabo, I worked at Lalabo for exactly two days before I quit. It's deeply <laughs> embarrassing for me. What um, is Lalabo? Lalabo is a, a, a small perfume house. Um, oh, Grass, New York, and now all over the world. Okay, um, but I mentioned, uh, I think it's Bruno Jovanovic. He's a perfumer, and he created, uh, to my memory, uh, Bergamot Twenty Two which okay. is a Lalaba fragrance. And then uh, I also had mentioned that I initially wore Armani. Armani Aquadigio came after Calvin Klein Eternity. Okay. And um, I mentioned that in the interview and they were like, oh yeah, like there's, let me connect those dots for you. Um, and I was like, that's, that's really cool that there's this sort of like pedigree and family tree of sorts in the perfume world. Yeah, it sounds like the, the remember the devil wears Prada. There's that scene where Meryl Streep explains why she's wearing a green sweater or something. It's Is it kind of like cerulean. that? It's exactly like that. <laughs> and the um, the sort of cycle, um, just to like zoom out a little bit, the, the cycle of what is popularized. Uh, you know, when we talk about like big box stores, like, you know, especially that time period, like JC Penney's, Macy's, Sears, um, places that like a lot of, if not most Americans could go to feel comfortable, talk to somebody who knew, you know, at least a little bit more and buy and walk away with the fragrance. And, you know, they just did so much volume on these perfumes that, it sort of typified what was normal because what was normal. Um, I have a, a, a very specific uh, potpourri from uh, a house in Florence, a, a fragrance house esque. It was founded by like Florence, like, Italy. Florence, Italy. It was okay. founded, in, to my knowledge, in 1612. Okay. Um, and they've been making this potpourri forever. And they just came out with uh, something called 1221, which is in reference to the fact that that's when the monks started to grow the things that would then enter this potpourri. Okay. A potpourri, of course, is uh, dried flowers and, and, and stuff that smells. And 
what are we look like if I were to get into potpourri and I this might be a cause for divorce or possibly murder from Andy Ashcraft, who couldn't be waspier if he tried. <laughs> and uh, he is the whitest of all whitey magoos. And but he is like he hates it when I sage and I'm like, no, my hippie ancestry mean, 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 means that I have to I have to clear some shit out. And uh, he's like, hmm. So said too bad. It smells gross. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're going to have to suck it up because I'm doing it anyway. Anyway, but um, so what's what's in a like potpourris? There's probably a standard. Is there standardization? I mean, because it could be anything, right? It's anything. I mean, um, why I particularly love this one is it's potpourri has a really bad gets a really bad rap um, yeah. because of I feel like we will have the same attitude towards candles because of and it's i i again i'm not trying to create a value judgment because i want everyone to enjoy whatever fragrance they enjoy right um but i think that there is a normalization of like pumpkin spice latte candle or you know the sort of yankee candle company right, right. yankee doodle or yankee candle company yankee or whatever. Doodle, whatever it is <laughs> um but what i like about this fragrance and this fragrance house is um there's a timelessness to it. And the timelessness to me is not rooted in what trend is happening and or being pushed by a marketing team, by, uh, you know, um, salespeople who just have a surplus of something. And um, just a quick little plug, uh, just folks out there, uh, if they want to get, if they want to get involved, actually, um, and I can I can forward this to you. There's actually quite a problem right now with um, uh, Southern California sage poachers uh, in specifically the trade of sage rubs. So keep an eye out where you get your sage. Be mindful, be thoughtful of that, because we we need to preserve, you know, this this land as it is. And also, is it, like, are, are they harvesting it on essentially not? They're not growing sage and then harvesting it. They're just sort of gorilla gathering sage. Yeah, gorilla <laughs> gorilla gathering is officially our new uh, uh, yeah. anti. Well, let's do the flower bomb situation, which is a whole other thing. But well, right. Well, and here's the weird thing for me with potpourri and with all sense um there like you say pumpkin lattes and pumpkin spice and cinnamon and there's a food-based kind of row yeah. that people are like no i want to smell like vanilla no i want to smell like cinnamon i want to smell like bergamot or you know i think uh, but then there's another one that's more flower related yeah where there's roses and right. there's um there's there's different there's you know there's um there's spice there's wood um these are helpful categorizations. I, my friend um, Jared, he's a very talented uh, jazz trumpeter, and I, at the time I was primarily writing poetry, and so we had weird similarities in in language and crossover. And um, he would always tell me that the way that I would describe things to him, especially fragrances we're possibly the absolutely fucking weirdest, most out there way of talking about it. Yeah. Um, sort of like in the movie, there's that documentary called Psalm where there's that one like uppity young white dude who's just like 
<laughs> smells like the inside of a tennis ball can once you right open it. And I was like, oh, okay, right, right. like, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, and I'm, well, I'm, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a buzzkill. They're constantly talking about he lives in his mom's basement. And you're like, right. write another joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, so I get that. But, but some people can actually like taste wine or, or oh, absolutely. Smell things and actually tell kind of they're like oh i've traveled enough that this is actually a french wine or this is yeah. a and then they, it gets narrower and narrower until it can be mocked openly but uh it yes. can be it can be no for sure um i do i i will just for the sake of i was i was involved before i got sober um i was involved in the wine world and you know i was i was around wine people a lot and a lot of psalms and it's it's a it's an interesting world um but i i'm pretty sure there was like a double blind study where um they put some not like master psalms but they put some psalms and or just regular drinkers to the test and they couldn't tell the difference between red and white wine blindfolded um so psalms is that short for sommelier yeah, yeah. Are you, are you, did you just go? Did you just go uh, Australian on me and just? It's a. I want to um, call them Samo Samos. You know the Samos. You ever? Yeah. <laughs> now for Australians, it would be a sommelier. You know. <laughs> and and uh, you're gonna want to get yourself a cabo. There was a guy I knew who did not know that the whole word was Cabernet Sauvignon. He was a young Australian man. And he was like, I thought it was just called Cabo, which, by the way, I don't do accents. Uh, I don't know if you could tell that was my dude accent. So that's all I do. <laughs> I don't I don't do accents either. My friend Sasha will be the first to tell you that. Um, you just did, but too. But so, I just uh, did. Yeah. Not bad. You know. not bad. Yeah. But OK, so so but the the interesting thing about this is so are there. So in your home, like I can see in your home, uh, because we're on Zoom, you guys, and I here I am talking to Pasha, uh, Motamity. That's right. Got to get the accent on the right syllable and uh, Motamity. And um, and it's, what does it smell like now? Like what do you like? Do you have something going? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I have. I like to sort of um, create little scent compartments in my house so the kitchen for me is off limits because you shouldn't smell anything when you're eating other than the food right um i in the living room space i have two i have two diffusers um one is a well they're both the same it's from a um soho home and it's a leather and oud and so it's warm. It's got a tiny bit of spice. It's sexy. It's like a, it's like green. It's like a forest green velvet and a burgundy velvet just rubbing up against each other, like very uncomfortably sexually. You know, <laughs> like, right. like is it like being in a leather chair? Is it a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, it wasn't my intention, um, but the diffuser that they came in was so beautiful um, and it's refillable that when my fragrance comes back in stock, which is um, the Sicilian time, uh, I can't wait to re-up. But for now, it's, it's, it does the job of creating a welcoming, warm, um, calm environment. And so... Um, if 
if there's a diffuser, are you pouring oils into this thing? So, yeah, so this, it's basically a, a, a there's a okay. vessel, a marble vessel, and then a glass little, basically like little cup in it. And then you can fill it with the diffuser juice, basically, which is, to my knowledge, a, a, a emulsion of oil and a little bit of alcohol so that it's uh and and then and and then the 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 scent then the the, the thing that's the scent and yeah so the yeah. perfume itself and then you put reeds reeds in it oh and, for display uh, for well the reed diffuser is actually what sucks it out and then dries out but while it's drying out it releases and casts a scent oh wait a minute is it does it look like that uh, yeah. So yeah, exactly. It has little sticks coming out of it. And are you buying the sticks? It comes with the sticks. It comes with the cute little marble case and it comes with the, the fragrance itself. Okay. So you're, you, you buy, essentially you buy a small, a kit or like a, like a flower vase with this, the thing. And then you're like, I'm going to set this up. We're going to, we're going to, can you just buy sticks for reloading? This is a very practical question. I know, but it's a, Actually, you just that that's not just a practical, it's a great question because when I get the new scent, I'm not gonna want to use the old reed diffuser. So that's actually a great question. Um, yeah, no, you could absolutely you would you would want to change them. Uh, and to anyone out there that's listening and has never been impressed by the smell of a reed diffuser, especially for the first couple of days, um, you're supposed to dip, flip, put it back in. So the dipped part is out first, which will actually help draw some of the oil out uh, into the reed. Okay. Uh, um, so that's what's in the living room right now. That's uh, Soho Home uh, leather and oud. And then in the bathroom, there's the Santa. The let me just uh, <clears throat> take a sip. Sure. Before I, I pronounce this, Farmacia uh, <laughs> of Santa Maria Novella. It's the the most incredible, beautiful place in Florence, um, and it, it's like a church for fragrance. Okay. And that's the, that's the potpourri I was mentioning earlier. So it's camphor, it's herbal, it's deeply woody. It, it just smells like um, it smells like something like a, a monk would rub in his beard before coming back into town if he was trying to fuck someone. Um, <laughs> Wait, I have, he's a monk. Um, yeah, you know, he's also He's a also monk. a human person. <laughs> yes, he's also a human person. He might uh, want to get some action. We don't know. He's been alone for years. years. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's in a little clay pot. And mm -hmm. what's important is that you could do, there's two schools of thought. There's the porous one, which doesn't have any glaze. Mm -hmm. That'll cast a you know, more pronounced scent, uh, but it will, you have to replace it more. Okay. Um, then there's, if you glaze it, which, you know, would be lined on the inside, it's a bit more um, slower to release, but in a bathroom setting, that's actually perfect. Um, okay. You don't want yeah. somebody to walk in your bathroom and be like, fuck, like that was intense. Right. Um, right. So, and then in the, in the bedroom, I've got uh, Santa Maria Novella again with their, diffuser called Europa. Ah. So three fragrances, three rooms. Um, and the goal ultimately is to primarily scent should be personal. So for me, I want to, when I get up in the morning, I want something 
a bit refreshing, something slightly floral, maybe a little bit of citrus. Um, and I wanted to invigorate my day. I want to go make my coffee. Uh, I want to go to the bathroom, do my shower, get my routine going to get out of the house. When I come home, mm-hmm. I want to just chill out. I want to lay on my couch. I want to relax. And okay. this sort of helps signify that. I mean, the the thing that I was I was going to say earlier is it was the thing that I just it was it was fragrance before fashion for me that I discovered you could in in it, you know I was too young to be shitty and manipulative but I was maybe, <laughs> maybe just being manipulative where I wanted people to perceive me a certain way and I knew mm-hmm. that if I wore a fragrance they'd be like oh like he smells good they wouldn't necessarily be able to draw two dots together like oh he smells good therefore this Mm -hmm. but it's just like oh he smells good this is pleasant i like to be around this person it's it sounds like like you're like 10 years old and you're thinking to yourself how do i how do i sort of control my own surroundings a little bit you know oh and and how i'm perceived (laughs) and how i you know and how you know i am accepted into the world it was just like oh he is a he this is this is not a child this is a man and uh, you're like uh but you're 10 so you do it it's interesting because there were like like some children will try to have a lot of information right Mm. they'll be like they'll talk the, the they'll talk and they'll talk and they'll talk that might have been me. Uh, there are other children who, you know, essentially just fade into the background and just like mani- like try to Carl Rove themselves, you know, the power behind the throne. And uh, and then there's temper tantrums and there's other ways that you do it. But so this is interesting that it was. It was like an instinctive. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try to at least control how I am perceived. And it's from scent rather than clothing. Yeah, it did eventually turn into clothing. Um, A big part of my story is that, like, I was diagnosed with, I I got the hot diagnosis in the the mid-90s of (laughs) of ADD, ADHD. And so they put me on those meds. Adderall and it's... It was a lot. I, I tried every medication that ever came out between basically 1995 and 2008. It was and, kind of, in, and I'm a hundred years old, but I have an opinion that it was over, it was over prescribed and over diagnosed where children were not allowed to be children and yeah. parents didn't want to actually parent. And right. they're like, oh, I mean, I think the Simpsons and South Park have pretty much covered it. I don't need to yeah. actually go into it, but <laughs> No, no, I don't think that there's a better example of the transition that we've gone through in the last 30, 20, 30 years in that the first time I went into the doctor's office, there were there was like a Galaga, Mrs. Pac-Man machine and magazines for the adults. Basically, it was like tranquilize the kids, just get them to shut the fuck up, please. And then and it's and it's so it's so weird because what it did was it, I mean, and, and I have said this before too, is that it created an entire generation of incredibly artistic, good looking yeah. children well, uh, that you. grew. You're welcome. It's so what it is, is uh, you got good teeth and, uh, and it's, but, but all of that, uh, that, that cocktail, yeah. you know, sort of, and, and then you turn 18 or 21 yeah. and you start partying and then it ends up being, you end up driving when I first started doing specifically it's stand-up comedy. When I first started doing stand-up comedy, only the unattractive and the insane 
did stand-up right. comedy. Right. Uh, because I believe of the over-prescription of Adderall, yeah. uh, very good-looking people uh, have driven themselves mad. Yeah. And uh, that insanity has led to some very interesting stand-up comedy. And uh, yeah. so I don't begrudge it, but I, be, sure. you know, I'm sorry for those kids, you know? Well, it's interesting because that was the first time I went into the office. And the last time I went basically to like say bye to the psychiatrist because I was like fucking off to college. She um, I was in the waiting room. There wasn't a video game in sight. It was all puzzles and brain teasers. And I was like, thank God. And I'm so glad that I was raised by like fuck everyone but me boomers where like I myself feel I'm just so grateful that the next generation of people who do have ADD have the necessary tools. Right. Um, because it's real. Yes, it is real and you can figure it out, but it doesn't have yeah. to be this blanket. I, you know, I think they, I think they just changed the term to sort of boy energy at some point. Mm. And you're like, that's fine. Just don't stop medicating them. Yeah. It's if, if you, if you got to put somebody in a box, they'll fight out of that box eventually. Absolutely. But, um, but at uh, least you're not junking them up on. No, absolutely. And I, I actually have a great way of, of, uh, of segueing this back to, to fragrance, which is Please. I, I, I did cocaine twice in my life. Okay. Never, I never liked it because both times I left wherever I was and went home to organize my closet <laughs> because I literally was on, I've been on amphetamine salt since I was five. So when you put that chemical in my body, it's like, you must go work. You must right. do something productive. And uh-huh. um, the, the scent, however, of cocaine, maybe users, people in recovery can, can attest to this um, smells a certain way. And there's actually a fragrance by Tom Ford called Tuscan leather that is allegedly supposed to smell like how that scent hits your nose when really? it's actually in it. Yeah. It's there's a few out there that that sort of um, allude to that, so to speak. There's a so lot of, they're, they're trying, they're trying to hit a market. Um, they're trying to hit a market, you know, and it is, it's actually the, the perfume that every year we buy for my brother. Uh, and right, he's, so, not, and he's he not is, an addict, you know? He's, right. He just, that's just the one he likes, right? He just likes it. Um, but well, it's interesting. Sir, go ahead, please. Oh, well, no, I was going to say that the, the, I remember my, my stepmother trying to get my sister and I into perfume when we were like 12, 13 years old and, you know, loves baby soft. And, uh, and her thing, cause it was the seventies was, uh, Revlon's Charlie. I don't know if you remember <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> but it had a, and then I, I, I can't remember if Charlie had this, the tiger stripes or if it didn't, but there was one that had tiger stripes and it might've been Charlie. Cause that was the one that she really liked. And mm. I think for a little while there was, because there was like a, it felt very Charlie's angels to wear perfume when I was, a, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. So it felt, it felt very like East coast, West coast glamorous. You're like, Oh, are you wearing uh, Yves Saint Laurent opium? And uh, <laughs> so, but you can't. Yeah. But it's so, it's so interesting that, so you went through this arc of sort of overdosing yourself and now is it more subtle? Like what are you using now? These, mm, 
Yes and no. I feel like my tendency is to overload or underload. I don't do anything kind of that passes. I either want somebody to lean in and be like, what is that? Or somebody to like require six feet. Um, <laughs> and right now I'm, I'm obsessed with a couple fragrances. Um, uh, it's, there's one called promise by Frederick Mao. Which okay. I'll How do you spell just, Mao? Frederick Mao. Uh, Frederick in French, the sure. F R E D E R I C and then Mal M A L L E. Okay. Um, and what's cool is he oversees the brand, of course, and works with the perfumers. But the perfumers get their name on the bottle, and that's like never happened before, to my to my knowledge, at least not not getting center stage. Because it's, well, that's exciting. It's, it's supposed to be like you know uh, designer built, not you know built not by, chemist uh, built or yeah, exactly, and so. Are there, because are there natural perfumes? I'm digressing again, but there's yeah. like natural perfumes versus synthetic perfumes, right? There are in, it's sort of a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult conversation because the idea of natural versus synthetic and one being better than the other is um, a false dichotomy. Just arbitrary um, a little it's bit? It's pretty or? arbitrary. If, if you purely want, lavender if you purely want cedar pine wear the oil go for it if you want you know uh something like uh uh agar which is essentially smells like rotting wood like i don't know that i would necessarily also it's so expensive it's prohibitively expensive um there's a fragrance by frederick mal called um i think it's just called night and it 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 has a lot of solid agar in it and it is oh. like $3,000 or something crazy like that. For oh a God. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah, you, it turns out you can get, um, a very little for $1,153. You can get yourself 50 milliliters. Yeah. And, um, my, it's un, I love Frederick Mal, but that fragrance is it's too much for me. And I have a friend that works at the, or used to work at the store. And apparently a man walked in and um, purchased a 3.4 and 100 milliliter bottle, Ooh. cracked off the top, poured it over his head and walked out. Um, and then went to live the Hunger Games. Jackie. What the... <laughs> This, this, I sprayed this fragrance on myself. It's one of two fragrances I've ever gone to the bathroom to wash off. Okay. So it's, it's just not, intense. It's, it's, just, it's beautiful for what it is as an sure. expression of like agar, but like, I, it's not for me. Right. Right. That, and it feels like, um, that feels like a real fuck you to cryptocurrency. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the, you know, spending $10,000, then pouring it over your head, yeah. uh, just real, really yeah. feels, it has a real trust fund feel to it. Yeah. Uh, real like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put stickers on the roof of this uh, Lamborghini that my mom <laughs> gave me for my birthday. <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> that's hilarious. Fair enough. It's um, so, so you're wearing right now, is this promise business? Uh, that's what I've been wearing lately. Right now, I've been using a tester um, 
by a, a fragrance house founded by Ben Gorham called Byredo or Byredo. I honestly, I've gone to the store and heard it multiple times at the store. Nobody does how to say it. Who cares? Right, right. Um, but the the fragrance I'm wearing now and may purchase soon is called De Los Santos, which is basically like sage and Palo Santo yelling at each other from across the street <laughs> and um, a little bit of a, a sort of a, in the way that Sage can approach uh, like a, 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 a peppermint uh, sort of note. Um, I need something for the summer. I like to usually like use a full bottle for the summer, like a summer fragrance and so do you do this instead of sort of like a, a deodorant or oh, an I antiperspirant? I or? do wear deodorant, antiperspirant. I don't, I literally like one, one of the per- two. One person in my life was like, antiperspirant causes cancer. And I was like, I, I believe you. I don't, I guess <laughs> I'll just wear deodorant now. Um, I'm actually right. still in a pretty middle school place with my perfume. I've done the Malanguettes. I've done the Aesop. I've done the Aqua di Parma. I have not found one that lasts all day. Let us remember, I am a Middle Eastern man. Um, (laughs) My genetics are constantly fighting with the environment and that's one expression of it. It's nice. It just, uh, there's, uh, I've always wanted my, because my father wears uh, a perfume or a cologne or, or something like that. Is there a difference between a cologne and a perfume or is it just words? It is yet both. There's an answer to both of those questions. Um, (laughs) There is a difference and they are the same in that cologne is it's gendered. We gender fucking everything. We gender phones like. Right, right. um, A cologne is thought to be for men and is typically the concentrate. There's beauty cologne. There's eau de toilette, there's uh, eau de parfum, and then there's extract de parfum. And to my knowledge, there's, there's probably some minor distinctions between the two, but it's just the concentration of the oil perfume within the context of the whole package. Okay. Literally, it's just, it's it's percentage of content uh, yeah. is is sort of like the way champagne is, is defined, um, yeah. probably by some overseer um, yeah. regulation. That's kind of fascinating. I like, I like the idea of, of the diversity of it, where there, you could change it seasonally, where you could change it um, just like if you're going to go out and dance, as opposed to if you're going to go to work. Yeah. If you're going to go spend the day outside at a picnic or because people do that, people sometimes yeah. they they pack a little Yogi Bear basket and they head out into the into, into a parkland. Yeah. But uh, I like did you ever read? So this is the only book that I've ever read about perfuming and it is called Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. I have not. No, I'm and it, I- it is about the immortality of uh of perfume it is about how uh perfume can can um it it is it is one of the things that this guy does that that helps um that that helps make him immortal Mm. and tom robbins is uh is an old goody bird from the 70s right but um jitterbug perfume is actually my favorite though he does have a very uh interesting 
I, he probably has 10 novels, but, and, and I liked, I think six of them. Mm. So there's one where somebody has a really big thumb. That one's the famous one. Uh, I was all right. I think I, I think I missed a window, but Jitterbug Perfume, I would recommend, I would recommend reading Jitterbug Perfume. Uh, okay. It has some history of perfuming in it. Love it. Absolutely. That sounds rad. I was also reminded that I've done another episode of the Dork Forest, but probably 14 years ago about perfume. Oh, wow. And it was a bit of a hostage situation because I took my kit to these two women who um, made perfume in Portland and they wouldn't stop talking. So uh, I might put that in the, I might find a link to that and put that in the, uh, they were outstanding. It was before I realized how to sort of control the dorkdom where I can, cause I, I could totally listen to other people's what they're enthusiastic about, but uh, it is finite. Like I clearly, I'm going to have to have you back to talk about your other dorkdoms, which are, you know, essentially they're kind of comparable. They're like cigars and poetry. I think of you wearing perfume, writing poetry, uh, having a cigar uh, and a nice, uh, possibly a nice little tapas kind of meal, a small bite. And then uh, and discussing art, maybe or poetry. Yeah, that's I literally sounds like a absolutely wonderful <laughs> Saturday afternoon. <laughs> But but listening too because I a big thing that frustrates me with any of those topics is um, being a like what I love what I love about the format of the show is it's dorkdom it's not I am the master of this or I am a expert because I like have a I know what I know on these topics and I th- I already know what I think. When I talk to, when I go to like a, 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 like scent bar or something like that, Mm -hmm. I'm there to listen and to learn, you know? And if, if I'm talking art with people, especially like, unless I know that they have like some crazy PhD or MFA, like all I want to know from somebody is like, when they're talking about an artist, like, how do they feel about it? Like, what, what does it remind them of? You know, I, I don't want to. The sort of like international art English is right. uh, is is just an exhausting form of communication. It you know uh, having the information is interesting to me, and I like I I love a, a, a an anecdote uh, full of all kinds of math and science and information and history. But I also I mean the the like you said the main point of the show is the enthusiasm, just because you should try different stuff. Like I've never, I've never wanted to to go out and do any sort of potpourri, but I might now because it can be anything, right? And I do enjoy yeah. a mixture of wood and flowers, and I like when things smell nice. So, yeah, yeah I'm not above it. So well, we gotta go. We gotta go smell some stuff together. Um, I'll, I'll hang. You know. I'll, I'll smell a thing. Um, right, right. So. Now, I would actually just be unless and, and this we may get back to more perfume stuff, but we're 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 not close to an hour, but we're we, we have plenty of time left. But the uh, I was wondering about the the cigar thing, because the smell of a cigar is so very intense, like my father mm. used to smoke pipes. Mm. and very rarely and he would once a year he would smoke a cigar and i didn't mind the pipe for some reason pipe tobacco has sort of a sweetness to it Mm -hmm. 
that is that is more palatable for children's and certainly more palatable than uh, four packs of generic cigarettes a day. Uh, but cigars feel, you know, it's all I can think of is Castro. So what uh, what kind of cigars like he liked? The fake Cuban cigars. He liked the closest you could come to Cuban cigars. Ca- Castro? Uh, no, no, my dad. Oh, your dad. Yeah. Um, I was like, I think Castro had access. Uh, oh, he had access. He had, <laughs> I could be wrong, that, but... that guy was smoking real, real ones. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point we're in an interesting sort of. Um, I got made fun of years ago for using this phrase regarding flour and milling in Brooklyn, but I'm just going to re, re, uh, re double down, it. safe I'm space. My friend. Double down. <laughs> um, there is a cigar, especially a small batch cigar, um, Renaissance happening right now in, in the U S because of, um, a desire for quality cigars that are not mass produced a, B, that aren't Cuban because the access is limited at best, um, but are made by people who smoke cigars and not just like giant corporations trying to sell you something. Um, sort of th- like beer, sort of like the. Yeah, the, the, absolutely. The, that sort of. Um, what are those microbreweries? Microbrewery, the, the renaissance of. The microbreweries and the and the aughts and the tens, yeah. Right. They they the the cigars my dad smoked were called Macanudos. Yeah. And they were psyched about it because I think they got the leaves from uh Cuba and then they rolled them. There was there was something where they were like, they're almost Cuban. The, it's and, the seeds. It's what it's it, the seeds could be from Cuba and and how they grow oh. them can mimic this sort of Cuban style. Um you know. What's what makes Cuban cigars better than any cigar in the world? Yes, please. <laughs> is that they're hard to get? Um, you know, oh, oh, fair enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the notion of of luxury, a huge component of it, um, is scarcity. And right. you know, I think that um, what makes something taste better, especially you know, when I when I studied it in um, for a high school program, I went to Cambridge um, in high school, uh, like between sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. And my first stop was the tobacconist. So I could grab some Cubans. And it was amazing because I wasn't, A, I wasn't legal. B, I wasn't supposed to be, you know, uh, smoking Cubans, whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, they're not better than any cigar in the world. I think that they 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 can rate that way. But I would... I would I would love to see some double blind, you know, some truly double blind studies putting like the Cohiba Bejique up against, you know, uh, a Great Cliff Chateau Grand Cru, you know. Um, OK. And really see if if somebody can can delineate. I do love the fact, however, that um, before the embargo began, JFK had, I believe, I don't think this is an exaggeration, like 10,000 boxes of um, cigars brought from Cuba to the U.S. And well, the, the, he, he wouldn't want to go without. No, well, and, his, uh, his tailor, um, the White House tailor, had to replace his pockets so often because when he went outside, let's say to go for a stroll or something, he 
he would stick his hand in his pocket with the cigar in it and the cigar would burn the interior of his pocket. Oh, just to sort of hide that he was smoking or something or. OK, yeah, yeah cause he was, um, he already had the Catholic thing. He didn't need everything else. I right, guess. right, right. It was I think Obama had a hard time stopping smoking, too, for a second and would occasionally. But you're like, you're president. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, but the. Uh, but so when you smoke a cigar, I have never smoked a cigar. Uh, like I said, my father smoked four packs of cigarettes a day and no one believed that I didn't smoke in high school and junior high. And my stepmother smoked two and a half packs a day. So between them, they're like seven packs of cigarettes. Absolutely. Nobody assumed that I did not smoke. Right. Uh, they were <laughs> insisted that I smoked. And right. I was like, I don't right. smoke. But so when I tried to start smoking, like when I would go out with people and we'd be at a bar and stuff and they'd be like, do you want a cigarette? And I'm like, yes, I do. And then I would have a cigarette and I'd be like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And I lucked out. But um, but the because they could be very addictive and they could cause cancer. I'm told. Just a little heads up for anybody who's uh, missed the memo about cigarette smokes. Uh, but the um, but cigars seem super like intense, like the flavors, even barring whatever's happening there. Right. Because it yeah. it's tobacco. Right. And it's, it's nicotine. So in Spanish, um, the word cigar cigar comes from, I think it comes from an indigenous language from uh, the Americas. Sp- oh, uh, pre, 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 Spanish, pre Spanish, uh, indigenous cultures. Cicar, I forget, I, maybe Aztec, and I could be wrong, um, is where we get the word cigar. Um, in Spanish now, the word for cigar is puro, which is just pure. It's pure tobacco. There's no, wow. there's no filler. Um, the binder and the wrapper and the filler can all be different tobaccos, but it is pure tobacco. Uh, and I will say that I just Googled this and I thought that was backgammon, but it turns out it's a box of cigars. Yeah. So uh, historians generally believe it's uh, Aztec was a good, uh, a good guess. They say May- Mayans Mayan. Got it. who would wrap tobacco in a palm or plantain leaf and smoke it. And 10th century depicts a uh, Mayan man puffing one of these very early cigars. Mm. So, yeah. So they're if they're complete, if they're pure tobacco, are they flavored at all? I mean, is it a cup of coffee that? Well, um, it's, it's like coffee. I mean, if you if you um, I when I got sober, I got really into coffee because I needed to fucking replace my, you know, wine douchery with something. And coffee is one of those things. <laughs> um, but and I don't mean that people who are in wine are douchebags. I was a douchebag about wine. Right, right. You um, just owned it in a douchey kind of way. So exactly, there you go. There you Fair go. enough. Um, the difference between um, you know an Ethiopian Yergachev and a Panamanian geisha is obvious to coffee nerds. Right. And we could discern between the two, and like we could state a preference, and then we could state why we like that preference. The same holds true for cigars. Um, you know, the um, types of tobacco, the aging processes, the drying processes, um, the way that it's rolled. Even I personally like a 
longer, thinner cigar, um, I think you get more wrapper and you get more flavor over a longer period. It doesn't burn as hot. Um, versus, you know, uh, like a, one of those stubby, like the yeah, just uh, a little like I, uh, I always picture Ed Asner. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> so a sort of a longer cigar. Um, and what are they wrapped in? Are they still wrapped in like tobacco? Of, yeah, so they're tobacco leaves. They'll typically use the highest and best quality and looking. Um, it's it's an interesting form of agriculture because it is not just like in the U.S. We've completely fucked our food system to the point where if this yellow bell pepper doesn't look like that yellow bell pepper on the food chart, it gets usually thrown away. Um, right. Right, right. But what's done in um, especially like in, in countries like Cuba with long histories of this type of cigar making, um, the character content and characteristics uh two of those words were the same uh no sweat <laughs> they they really matter to the cigar because you are consuming it in a way that is not you know it's not covered by anything else so if it is a bad leaf of tobacco the cigar will taste bad okay Oh, interesting. It will affect the whole, the entire cigar. Even if the tobacco tastes different, the leaf is where a lot of the flavor lies. The, the wrapper, I mean, they're all, all tobacco are leaves, but the, the wrapper itself is usually a broader leaf um, that is with fewer veins. It's cosmetically prettier, but also the flavor is just as important. So here's what I was thinking. I don't know why I thought it was ground beef jammed inside of a leaf like it was a Sarma, but it is not. Uh, it is. It can be. It is, it's, it's, it's tiny rolled leaves of t- tobacco leaves that are rolled together tightly and then surrounded by a larger leaf. Surrounded by usually a binder and then the wrapper. And okay. I, I welcome anyone, everyone to fact check me on that. I've, no, I've no. only seen the uh, I'm sure I will roll Jackie and Jackie Cation me. Uh, <laughs> so you, you guys know where to where to get a hold of me, Rangers. So, um, yeah, but I literally I think I thought that it had been chopped up and then uh, jammed into a leaf like like they do with Dolmanes, like a, like sure, a yeah. yeah. And um, there are some so, like that for sure. Um, and, you know, those would probably be like. um inferior quality like and i mean that in like a truly agricultural sense like a a tobacco farmer would be like this is bad this is good based on the characteristics that he's trying to grow them for right these this is this is someone who needs nicotine and this is uh for a connoisseur sort of just it's it's just a different cut of meat essentially totally Uh, because you you have to use all of the plant maybe and and some people can't afford uh the fancy so that's interesting. Have you, uh, I was going to ask you, cause we are, I don't actually, I forgot to check when we started. It's all good because I, I wanted to ask you sort of one kind of final question about all of these things. Cause they all have this, this scent in, in common, right? This sort of flavor palette to it. And it's how would you, describe your nose like do you have like one of those noses that knows things Mm. Uh, is it a learned skill could anybody sort of you know 
Like, because it feels like a perfect pitch to some extent, They, or at least I've read in fiction that some people are born with like a perfect smeller. Sure. But I think that it's got to be learnable, right? It is. I think that there are people who have a proclivity. There are certainly super smellers and super tasters out there who who can identify things that others simply don't have the physical capacity to taste. Um, and they are typically highly valued in their whatever field that they may work in. Um, I myself, my my pride in, in, in any of these realms is frankly kind of goes to one of the topics that I sent you, which is poetry is my um, tendency to create a sort of like flash fiction of sorts of like the, 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 the sage and Palo Santo screaming at each other from across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I like to create sort of, um, I like to connect dots that aren't there and help people understand through very like reasonable entryways. Um, I, I want everyone to enjoy what they enjoy and sure. it's, it's exhausting to try and convince them that what you like is a, a good or worse, better. Right. Um, right. It's, so. but the, but I, but I think with, um, Tell me if I'm I'm wrong. Is it that your the imagery that that you use in in your poetry or in, in any sort of art is sort of this description of these scents, of these smells, of these mm. flavors and tastes, and and that palette, and and it and it bleeds over into your art. Yeah, I think palette is the perfect word in a literal and and also figurative sense right. because right. it. It's it's my had had I not um, grown up in a uh, at least half Persian household, my relationship to saffron would not be what it is in scent and taste, and then now in fragrance. Um, I don't see. I, I think that there was a. I, and this is a weird example, but in high school. Um, AP language and composition, Chris Harrington, my favorite teacher fucking of all time. Um, he would refer to when we were writing um, essays for a, like practicing for the AP test. Um, he remembered being a grader. And one of the teachers that graded the AP test would always use this phrase if they just didn't know what to say, which was not sufficient life experience, which is, they didn't have the sufficient life experience to talk about what, whatever they were talking about. Okay. And I, I, I think about that a lot as to how that shapes and molds my experience as a painter, as a photographer, as a poet, as a cook, as somebody who loves perfume, loves cigars, loves fucking water. Um, right. You know, and all of it is connected in a way in my brain that may not be apparent to others. And I have the exciting opportunity and privilege to try and share that excitement with them. Right. Right. So when you walk into, I mean, and that, and that's your work and that's your passion and, and that's great how that bleeds into it. But like, if we go out to dinner and we will one day, Sasha, you and I, uh, we will dine. Um, And we walk in and you smell the food. 
right? Will you, I mean, because I, I know that everybody is just like, you could actually, and this is proven that you can stop arguments if you just start pan frying garlic and onions. Uh, because uh, all of a sudden everybody stops whatever they're doing. It's like, is lunch happening? Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah. it is. Uh, my sister has actually stopped fights with her with uh, with family members, not our family, other families. But um, by by doing just that, she was like, it was getting yeah. a little heated, so I just started pan frying some garlic and onions, and all of a sudden, everyone was like, "What? What time is lunch? What? Yeah. What's?" Uh, and they forgot all of their problems. Wow! So when you like when I walk into a a, a Korean restaurant, for example, yeah. uh, which is something my sister loves, and so and I've grown to love, um, I will try to find those chilies that I like mm. in the air, mm. you know? And that I think is such an interesting, is that something wherever you go, do you kind of look for the, do you smell, do you smell a room? Do you, is it conscious? Or are you just. Yeah. Big time. I, I really, I love restaurants, um, especially restaurants with a focus. Um, my friend, Mark Iacano has a restaurant in Brooklyn called Lucali. They're famous for their, pizza and his thing is he always wants you to walk into a pizzeria and for that smell to punch you in the face right and when you smell pizzeria you know you're getting basil you're getting tomato you're getting oregano you're getting the smell of dough proofing possibly the cheese caramelizing and when i go into a restaurant um it is this sort of like test right when i go into a and it, and it can actually be very practical too. You know, I, there's a, a, I won't name it, but there's a very popular sushi place in New York city that um, I can't eat at because the, uh, I seem to have only ever gone there when they do trash day and oh, shoot. trash for a sushi restaurant is different than trash anywhere else. <laughs> and so, you know, um, the, the experience of, of, scent and smell in a restaurant context is extremely um, impactful. And I feel probably most comfortable from closing my eyes. I think restaurant wise, I think I feel the most comfortable um, probably in a, in a Mexican restaurant because it just, it meant that something really delicious. It meant something that really um, just like, no fucking bullshit frills, you know, not to say that there isn't, you know, fine dining and. and right. Know. And there could be nuance and all the things, but literally um, it feels like something that, that we all enjoy yeah. when is, is, and it's five ingredients wrapped yeah. in different. Kinds <laughs> well, of- I, don't know. I don't know about, I think, uh, I think uh, Enrique Olvera might have some uh, problems with that. I'm, I'm joking. Not sure. You're I'm canceled. Not sure. Canceled. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. I've, I've clearly no, it's, I've, it's, I've denied the entire Southern Hemisphere. No, no. I, no, I. Yeah, you get it. No, absolutely. I, I think that for for me, I mean, when I when I say Mexican restaurant, I close my eyes. I think of, you know, usually I'm from San Diego and we're asinine about our burritos. Um, and is is we didn't is, get the word. Just, we didn't get the word up here in L.A. that you care about burritos. Oh, you didn't? No. <laughs> Hilariously. It's like, did you get did you know that San Francisco hates Los Angeles? Yeah, and LA has no opinions on SF. Has, no. 
<laughs> so you guys are, I mean, I wish you all the best with your burritos. And uh, uh, it just means that best. I should probably go down to San Diego and try a burrito. Yeah. Get a, get a, it's California burritos. The one to get it's uh cheese, carne asada, maybe guacamole, maybe sour cream, but always crispy French fries. In the burrito? In the burrito. <laughs> Pasha, it has been an hour. So what I'm going to say now is, uh, Rangers, you got to do this. You got to find Pasha's uh, Instagram. Look at to check out his art. Uh, see what's happening. He's going to have a little glass of water. I'll have him back to talk about poetry and art another time. But it is uh, Pasha Motamedi, and it is spelled M-O-T-A-M-E-D-I. And thank you so much for doing the show, Pasha. Thank you, Jackie. It's Honestly, a, a genuine pleasure and a privilege to be here. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?